Hey everybody, welcome in to the My Pets Wellness Weekly Wellness Podcast. My name is Kevin Crispin. I am the Chief of Staff here at My Pets Wellness. As always with me are uh, Dr. Rodney. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Great. And Dr. Jason. Hi. All right. I am the only non-doctor here. So um, this is the second, thank you very much, uh, <laughs> This is the second in our three-part series on anxiety. The last uh, part that we did, we discussed really high level, but pretty basic, what is anxiety? We had a discussion about that. Today, especially in speaking with Dr. Rodney, we're gonna talk about coping with anxiety. And I think we talked about Dr. Rodney in the last uh, uh, episode that maybe one, uh, one third of people diagnosed with anxiety don't even seek treatment. So uh, here's a question that I think I depressingly know the answer to, but I'm going to ask you. Hi, Winnie. I know Winnie. Winnie helps with anxiety, right, Jason? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, do you think there's a stigma attached to seeking treatment for anxiety? Yes, but it's improperly based. I mean, yeah. I think the most healthy thing you do when you're having trouble of any type is to go seek help. Yeah. Um, but there's always kind of a social stigma that in my industry, we're working hard to defeat. Um, it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. You absolutely need help mm -hmm. because, especially with the sub, hi, Winnie. Especially with the subject of anxiety, um, you're so anxious you can't figure out what to do with it, and so you kind exactly of right. need somebody else there to help you through that process. You had said that in your in your field, you guys are doing things you, to help destigmatize that. What are some things that, that you're doing? Tell well, exactly what we're doing here. Start talking about it more mm -hmm. um, so that people see that everybody has issues that they're working with, are working through, and that there is no shame in going and trying to find help with that. I think what we're trying to do is the more we can talk about it and normalize it, uh, the better it would be. There's a lot of people who go untreated, but you'd be amazed how many people are actually in treatment and nobody knows about it because, you know, I don't want anybody to know that oh, I'm yeah. crazy or something else like that, which is not what it's all about. Right. But, you know, that's what the thing is. So there's still, even for people who seek treatment, they're still, even if they do make that first step and seek treatment, they still may have um, a self-imposed shame or guilt, as we've discussed about saying that there's still something, quote, wrong with them. Yeah. Let's put it this way. Yeah. They have anxiety. They go in to try to find somebody to help with anxiety. Yeah. They don't want anybody to know that. So when they leave the therapy session, they're anxious about whether or not somebody's going to find out that they went in for their anxiety. I'm not trying to be funny. That's exactly kind of the way it feels to the person who believes that everybody will think there's something wrong with them. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with them any more than there is anybody else. Everybody goes through life with periods of anxiety almost on a daily basis. Yes. I mean, it's not like it's that unusual. Um, now, somebody gets caught in it for a long period of time might have a different way of presenting that than somebody who's going in and out of it on a daily basis. But anxiety is a normal part of life. I mean, haven't you been anxious about some things? Mm -hmm. I know you have been. No. <laughs> Dude, two things. Two things per hour. So, yeah, for a minute. Uh, Jason, do you have any thoughts on that too? Just uh, overall thoughts as not, not just a vet, uh, but as a human about the stigma around Yeah. Um, on a personal level, it took me a long time to seek out help um i'm i've learned from experience the benefit of working with a counselor of having someone who's not a relative or a friend or a 
a technician that I just talked to during long surgeries uh -huh. uh, to act as my huh. sounding board. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really helped me uh, in everything that's gone on in my life the last few years. Um, and it's taken me time from when I started to get to where I would talk about it. So, um, so it wasn't, you didn't just go right in and be like, I'm ready to bear all and, and do all this. Did, was there a bit of a process or am I hearing that wrong? Um, I'm a, I'm pretty open book. So okay. it was easy for me to talk to someone. It wasn't something I was really interested in telling other people about. I wasn't going out to everyone and being like, yeah, I, it was like, oh, I have a meeting. I have this thing to do. Not like I have my counseling session. Like I, like now I have no problem. Like, yeah, I'm blocked off on my work schedule from three to four next Tuesday. Cause I have my counseling session. Like that's what it is. And I am comfortable talking about it because I want to share that experience mm -hmm. and encourage others to do the same. Yeah. It's in my experience of dealing with anxiety, a, a big thing that I think we're all getting to here is this idea that nobody's alone in dealing with it. And, and, um, you know, uh, I think it's it's really powerful, as you said, to be talking about it. So I don't, I don't want to belabor oh, the point, but I want please. you to know that most therapists, especially the good therapists, has a therapist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do. Okay, so I went through a period of time, we'll be vulnerable here, um, for about six to eight months last year where I was going and talking to somebody every week that was a therapist, you know, because, yeah. you know, when I'm in the middle of it, I need somebody else there to kind of bounce ideas off on it and give me insights into what I'm feeling. So... No, we're not afraid of going to a therapist if you're a therapist. I mean, but some people don't realize that that's true. I think that's a really good insight. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so uh, I know from my experience of being um, awake that there are many different ways in which to treat anxiety. There's there's a, a bunch of different ways, right? So um, what what would you say, Dr. Rodney, just what, what are some of the most common ways that, that people... Uh, doctors like yourself treat anxiety? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, um, one way is to go to a therapist mm -hmm. and do something called cognitive behavior therapy where you're talking with them and you're readjusting your thought process about what's making you anxious and all that, and that is extremely valuable. Yeah. It takes some time. Yes. Okay, and so um, initially when you start noticing the anxiety, I'm going to encourage you to go find somebody to talk to and maybe adjust your thinking thoughts related to the issue, you've got to find something that more immediately can remove the anxiety, okay? Now, of course, you would take a pill of benzodiazepine, okay? Um, that's a fancy word, but it's a classification of anti-anxiety drugs. And, it, um, you know, when you're anxious, your brain's running really fast. Mm -hmm. um, you're pacing back and forth, your heart's beating fast. And the benzodiazepine is a low-acting depressant that kind of just counteracts all that so that you return to normal, but you haven't dealt with the anxiety yet, so it's like a band-aid. Good. Okay, so now uh, there's another field of therapy. It's called dialectic behavior therapy. It's a big word, okay? Um, but in the case of anxiety, it's very helpful because when you're anxious, the more you think about it, the more anxious you get. And so before you get to the doctor to talk about it, I've got to calm myself down. And so there's various aspects or modules in dialectic behavior therapy, but the one that I recommend for anxiety is related to our senses. We have five of them, mm -hmm. okay? 
we use them to dissociate in a proper way from our anxiety and it helps us to calm down as we focus on that sense. What you'll find out is as you practice this, everybody has one sense that is usually stronger than the others and you kind of find that out what works best for you. So for example, I could use my eyes. I'd go for a little walk. And what I'm concentrating on is what do I see? I'm seeing trees, I'm seeing birds, I'm seeing a car go by. If you understand what you're doing is as you're taking a walk and as you're using your eyes, you have to intentionally do it and just focus. What am I seeing? Just start making a list in your brain of all the things I'm seeing. That's a dissociative act. It gets me away from what was controlling my mind to begin with. And when you do it long enough, eventually you'll notice yourself getting calm. That process just makes you more and more calm. And uh, then you get done with your walk and then you're not as anxious. If you get done with a walk and your anxiety goes back up, you've got to go for another walk. Okay, or maybe that says that your eyes aren't working. So then you use your ears. Okay, so you can take the same walk, or you just sit on a bench somewhere and close your eyes so you don't let your visual thing, and just listen to everything. Oh, I can hear the car. I can hear the bird chirping. I can hear the wind through the leaves. You get what I'm saying? And oh, so these sure. are dissociative acts that are good acts of dissociation. It's a way to distract myself from the thing that's making me anxious. And when you do it enough and often enough, um, it helps you to calm down. Or you could taste something. Now, be careful with that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then you actually done it right. Yeah. No, I mean, well, actually, some people struggle with overeating as a way to sure. associate from anxiety. There's consequences for that much more so than using your eyes and your ears. Obviously, you can gain weight. Um, but um, you don't have to eat a whole gallon of ice cream, okay? Um, one way that I've actually personally used that works for me, it might not work for somebody else, it's anything that's activating your taste, okay? You know those jelly belly beans? Yeah. I get a whole bunch of them. And when I'm anxious, I just start eating them one at a time. Ah. And I think about what flavor is this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you get used to what the colors all mean, that doesn't work, but I will pick one up my eyes closed do you see what you're doing so as you do that i mean you'd have to eat a whole lot of jelly beans to make up a gallon of ice cream but there are some ca calories there but you know um just anything like that you can get starbursts or whatever else um obviously it has it, it also could go in the direction i find something that i just really find very tasty to me but again then you might overeat that but it works okay um it almost, uh, but, but yeah, what? It almost sounds like meditation. Like well, it sounds like bingo. it's what you're, yeah, yeah like it's what a you're trained. Yeah, like because I, I there's some things that I've done or podcasts I've listened to and I've tried it and, and it's seen similar where mm -hmm. it's like turn everything off and focus on your breath or what you're hearing or whatever it may be. So well, meditation um, is obviously a way you can do the same thing. Some people don't like the part of the mm -hmm. meditation or they can't get into that space because it does take some some time and some practice to get into a really clear meditative state. Some people say they're meditating. You're not meditating at all because when you're really meditating, everything else around you kind of disappears, okay? Um, but it is a form of distraction. It's similar yeah. to that. I use yeah. these because most people can do this easier than they can the meditative act, yep. right? That makes sense. Um, another one I got to smell. Okay, same thing. Just get some of that incense stuff or the, you know, 
the oils. Essential oils. Essential oils. Be careful around your pets. Uh, <laughs> Be careful around your pets. Just find one you like and just smell it or put it on your hand. Then you're sitting in your office going, and everybody thinks, what yeah. the heck are they doing? <laughs> or you take the peppermint and just mm-hmm. put it under yeah. your nose. And then you just, oh, it actually clears out your sinuses, oh, too. Yeah. You see, it's, it's just those acts, you know, another very common one that most people use, and they don't even realize what it is. It's part of that. My touch. Okay? Yeah. You get your little transitional options. <laughs> your bear, your Snoopy doll, um, your pillow, and you just hold Your Winnie. Or you can do the rubber ball thing, squeezing it. Oh, yeah. You know, that's it. It's just a way to calm yourself down. Um, one of the things that um, we do with where I work as a mental health professional is we freeze tangerines. What do you mean by that? You put them in the freezer and freeze them. Oh, literally. <laughs> because then, try it sometime. When you take that tangerine out and you hold it, it's better than the rubber ball. I mean, it's, a, it's an act of distraction, dissociation that really is helping people. And then you can combine the two. You hold it for a little bit, and then you try to take the bite out of the tangerine. Now, not when it's a solid thing that'll break your teeth. Yeah, right. But you understand the coldness <laughs> of your anymore. mouth, of it, it's really very powerful as a way to just kind of say, okay, snap to it. Stop thinking about that. Let's get back to what you're doing. And then these work much faster. Then you go call the safe person and talk to them about what's making you anxious. Is that that's a that, really? I think that's a really broad and very good mm-hmm. detailed um, idea about that. And I think it it touches on all the ways. And like you said, it's kind of like meditation. It's a way uh, to distract. So um, for somebody who's watching this, who maybe has never sought help <clears throat> for anxiety, what would be some of the signs that? that person may be experiencing that you would say, Hey, maybe that, that sign is uh, a sign that you need to reach out uh, for help. Do you want to say anything that or you want to jump in? I mean, this seems like your area of expertise. Yeah. The next well, episode. My, I mean, my, <laughs> okay. So then I just didn't want to, I mean, no, like my answer to that time. is like, if, if there's any voice in your head that says you may, you could use somebody and you don't want to talk to the people you have, like, that's what it came down to for me was, I'm struggling to balance everything. I have multiple times a day where I'm feeling like I just want to like punch a hole in a wall and I'm overwhelmed and I didn't want to talk to the people that I had to talk to. That's when I really sought something out, but I'm sure you have a better answer than don't. It's it's a good way to go. So we're not flipping subjects here, but in the subject of other coping mechanisms that aren't safe, like drugs and alcohol, when that gets out of line, as they say in NA and NA, I'm powerless over the drugs and alcohol and my life has become unmanageable. Now flip that over and substitute anxiety for the drugs and the alcohol. Can you be powerless over your anxiety? Absolutely. When my life becomes unmanageable with my anxiety so that I can't focus on what I need to focus at, on either at work or at home, and it, that inability to perform the tasks that I need to perform because of the anxiety is the powerless nose over the anxiety. And now you're in trouble. You have to take action to bring some manageability back into your life. You still might have some anxiety going on, but you've got to be able to perform. Yeah. Um, otherwise, 
your you know your life falls apart at work and at home and in other areas. So that's the tool. That's the, just start thinking about: it. is this really taking over my ability to be a fully functioning adult? Yeah. <laughs> of course, I don't know if any of us are really <laughs> fully. a fully functioning adult. But let's go with the plan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It's on my functionality as a person. Is it being? Important? I I never heard it put that way. I like that a lot, this idea of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. In speaking with people that I know in my life who struggle with anxiety, um, I, I think people find it really hard to admit that because anxiety is something that feels so real and so present, like it is all of the reality as if you can't even get out from under it. Right. Um, so, you know, to, to wrap up this week um, and kind of give us a, a bit of a segue into next week when we're going to talk about <clears throat> anxiety within the vet med world, um, what are some day-to-day -day strategies that someone can do if they're not able to speak with somebody right off the bat to cope with anxiety other than get a boxer? <laughs> um, you just distracted me with the boxer comment. So you're asking what day -day can I immediately day to day? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to take the same examples that I use. Yeah. That if I'm going through a period of anxiety, I start every day with some distracted technique, some dissociative act. Again, a dissociative act in itself doesn't have to be bad. Um, I want to start my day outright. So I'm just going to go and start, take my walk. I'm going to go eat my fr frozen tangerine, whatever it is. It reminds me as I begin the day before the anxiety creeps in and starts taking over that this is something I'm aware of and I'm not going to let it take over me. So starting out the day with that is a really good thing to do. And uh, then if you start coming, it starts coming back in times of day, go back to your old techniques. So I think it, you have to be intentional on being aware that this can be debilitating as I enter the day. So you don't wait until it happens that you go to your technique. I start the day that way, which makes it less likely that it's going to come up and bite me. Okay. That sense? Yeah. That's, a, that's a good thought. Any, anything you want to add to that? Uh, that, um, that maybe has worked for you? Uh, my morning cup of coffee. That's <laughs> it for me. Like the warmth, the smell, and the caffeine. But like that's that's it for me. Um, I've, I've also actually found some morning meditation podcasts that I've listened to. Um, there's a bunch of them I found for free on like Audible that yeah. are three to ten minutes. Yeah. Um, one of which was about a morning cup of coffee and that was awesome. Uh, but just something to sit there and kind of just disconnect and center myself or have a purpose for the yep, day. Yep. Um, that's helped. Um, yeah. And just being able to, in the middle of the day, walk out and take five, mm -hmm. like allowing myself to be like, I need a minute, uh, which most vets don't do because yeah. It's just from room to 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 a phone call to the room to room to room to room to room to a phone call. That is a perfect place to end before our thrilling conclusion, part three. What did you say? Before I get a phone call. Yeah, before, right, exactly. So yes, that that that's been a really good discussion, guys. So thank you very much. At home, if you are interested in this and want to learn more, you can go to mypetswellness.com. Net and as I said, next week we're going to come back uh, conspicuously in the same outfits uh, and talk to you about the third part of this, which is um, anxiety in the vet med world. So um, have a great day. Thanks for stopping by, guys. Thanks as always, yeah. and um, we'll see you next time. Take care. Go freeze that tangerine. <laughs>